mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John 17. John chapter 17, we're going to be beginning in verse 20 this morning. But by way of review, if you will remember with me, John 17, Upper Room Discourse, really the last chapter of the Upper Room, or what they classically call the Upper Room Discourse. They're probably now in Lower Jerusalem somewhere uh, after they went through the grape arbors, and they're going to go out, chapter 18, verse 1, they're going to go out... um, of Jerusalem through the gate over the brook Kedron into the Garden of Gethsemane where they'll be met with Judas and a detachment of troops so that Jesus can be arrested and betrayed. So we're in the last hours uh, as we know it where and now he is delivering uh, a prayer to the Father and we get to look over his shoulders. I think it's amazing. Let me just mention really quick if you'd like to read it, Second Samuel chapter 15 I think it is. But this is the same place. I mean, because I'm always telling you that these types are in the Old Testament. But when you just look up the Brook Kadron, you find out that when David, the king, fled Jerusalem from Absalom, what did he do? He went out of the city. He went across the Brook Kadron and they fled, right? And Absalom, uh, which means... um, what does Absalom mean? My father is peace, or I like this better, father of peace. They're, they both they both have a different understanding to them. Um, and I shouldn't say I like it better. I like that name for Absalom better because he's a type of Antichrist, and he wants you to believe that he's the father of peace, when really he's not. Um, so that's, that's what I meant to say when I said that like that. So Absalom becomes a type that actually tries to take over. He's a type of antichrist. He's a type of the voice of the world today that we listen to if we're not careful. And so you have two choices in life. You can listen to the world, to the Absaloms that are trying to be leaders and take over and tell you that they're peace. And they say, peace, peace, when certain destruction is coming. Or you can listen to the true, the true Savior, which is Jesus, and His Father is peace. And These are just types that are hidden in the Old Testament. And He does come back a second time. He does come back. And do you know what He does with the brides? The ones that Absalom slept with? The ones that were re-entangled? The ones that were back in the world and were not? Being of the mind of Christ, he puts him away and he never knows him again. 
might be Matthew 7, be away from me, I never knew you. Because they slept with Absalom after the true king left. And you got to look at this as a point, is that right now the king is gone. His father is peace. His father is the plan. They're all one. And he sent, and, and we'll talk about this next week, and we'll probably look at it. And I don't mean to belabor on it, but I just want to set up the picture and the future of what's going on because it's finished now. And while he's gone, we're supposed to be having intimacy with Christ because of salvation, not continue to have intimacy with the world and sleep with the Absalom's or the spirit of this age or Antichrist, you might call it, which leads you away into ideas that have nothing to do with sanctification, have nothing to do with becoming like Christ, have nothing to do with salvation and being delivered from that. See, God is delivering. That's what salvation is. He's delivering us to safety. He's bringing us out of the lies and he teaches us truth because he is truth. He teaches us love because he is love. He teaches us peace because he is peace. There's nothing else you can learn from him. And so we want to remember as we look at this prayer that he is praying that this is all finished. This is finished. He's went into the Garden of Gethsemane. We'll find out next week means olive press. And it's, it's that through that suffering that he went through on the cross, it's squeezed out and pressed out the olive oil, which is the Holy Spirit, which is now dwelling in every believer, which is now sanctifying us by washing us and cleansing us with the water through the word of God and preparing us as a bride. And so we're supposed to be listening to that king to that voice and not to the Absalom's, not to the Antichrist, not to the spirit of this age, which is there to entertain us and, and to lie to us and to trick us and to deceive us and to kill us and to rob us of such a great salvation. And we're not supposed to be intimate with that life anymore. And when you catch yourself doing it, you should repent and turn back. Metanoia, change your mind. So the true Lord's Prayer, chapter 17, uh, it is a model for prayer. It is a model for prayer. Listen, you should be praying for yourself as Jesus does. You should pray for those in the church or the disciples as Jesus does. You should pray for the future believers or the word of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation of souls, because that's what we're here for. And that's what Jesus did. He prayed for himself, he prayed for his disciples, and in today's text, he's praying for us, future believers, that the word of reconciliation would go out, and that people would be reconciled to God. And we have to understand, well, what did he pray? John 17, 3, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So important to understand the word sent apostello one sent forth why is he sent because god promised a messiah god promised that he would deliver god promised he was going to save god promised he would come and he's fulfilled that promise and when you believe which the disciples did what did they do uh, in 16 1630 is that what it was now we are sure that you know all things 
and we have no need that anyone should question you. By this, we believe that you came forth from God. So they believe that he came forth from God. And that means that they believe that he's the Mashiach, Hebrew. He's the Messiah in, in, in Greek. He's the Christ, the anointed. So when you believe that he was sent by the Father, you believe that the Father is fulfilling his promise. You believe that he's Messiah, so thus you should believe everything else that he says, everything else contained in his word. And if God can keep that promise, he can keep all promises. So it's important to understand that because that's what faith is built upon, the promises of God. Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's how the elders gained a good testimony. They look forward to this promise. We now look back on this promise and we have the the Holy Scriptures, the prophets made more sure because we see that it's been fulfilled, which is awesome. It's amazing. So do you believe that he was sent? Do you know him? Now listen, I didn't ask you if you believe in him. That's the starting line. Growing in the grace and the knowledge of him is the salvation and the race and the sanctification. And it's the growing and going in him, which is, it's a whole race. We're running a race following the author and the finisher of our faith. We're, we're running right behind him. He sent the Holy Spirit back to teach us to pray. He sent the Holy Spirit back to sanctify and cleanse us. Look what he says here in, in 17. 16, they are not of the world just as, that's a good position, I am not of the world, because I I already know that we have some world still in us, and they had some world still in them. They weren't perfect yet. In fact, Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not told you that, but my Father's in heaven. And then Simon says, hey, no, 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 we're not going to go die. So that was some world in him. It was the the spirit of the world, the spirit of this age that doesn't want the Messiah to die for the sins of the world. And so oftentimes you and I, we have the same type of thing going on. We don't recognize the will of God. We don't recognize the work of God because we don't know the word of God. And sometimes we're praying amiss. We're praying for things not to happen that need to happen in order for God to be glorified and for you and I to get to the end of the race where we are glorified. Listen, these are important things to know. So he says they are not of the world, just as positionally. I am not of the world. Let me ask you the question. Are you still of the world? Are you still caught up and chasing and living and listening to the voices of the, the, the lying prophets of this world, the spirit of Antichrist? And they're coming through the media. They're coming through the mediums. And they come in, what channel are you listening to? What channel do you believe in? They're channeling mediums and spirits and giving you lying information so that you'll be caught up and entangled and overcome by the world and its physical problems instead of caught up in the rapture and seated because you overcame, because you listened to the Spirit of God, the only one true God. It's all running interference to keep you from hearing the voice of God. And believe me, the flesh loves to listen to it. We live to hear a new thing. We want to see something new. We want to be entertained. 
We want to understand these things that are going on, but we're to regard nobody as flesh and blood anymore. This is a spiritual kingdom, and they're trying to get you caught up in a physical fight, a physical battle. And you might say, well, he's a broken record. He says this every week. We need to know it every week because we're going back out there and seeing the physical, but we are not there for what they're for. When you see the therefore, you always look back and say, what am I there for? We're there for the ministry of reconciliation of souls. And see, I was talking with a guy this week, and he was really, uh, he's, he's agnostic is what I would call him. And he was really not wanting to believe Jesus. He believed there were many gods, when in fact there can't be. Obviously, that would rule out every one God. There would be no true God then. You might as well be an atheist. One of them has to be the head the chief, the only true God, and that's the one we proclaim. Uh, but he was really upset about pharmacy. Won't even take an aspirin. Listen to this. This is very important. Won't even take an aspirin because the pharmacy is so bad. And see, we know in the physical, yeah, pharmacy is pharmakeia. It's witchcraft. It's the same word in the Bible. And pharmacy can be bad. It's not all bad. There's some good pharmacy that may help. I can't tell you which ones. I'm not a doctor right now. But I'm listening to the great physician. And listen to me. There's a lot of pharmacy out there. And it's witchcraft. But that's physical. See, we're not to regard anything as physical anymore. Pharmacy's worried about the physical body. Are you guys with me? Because there's a whole lot of spiritual pharmacy out there that's witchcraft, it's rebellion, it's sorcery, and it's coming in through your ear portal, through your heart, into your heart. It's in the midst of you, and it's lying to you, and that's eternal. That is about your soul and your spirit. That's eternal. And you're supposed to fear the one that can kill the body and the soul and cast both into hell, not just the one that can kill the body. But they've got us so mixed up in the church, we're only focused on the physical body. We're afraid that we're going we're gonna to get sick and we're going to need pharmacy and we're going to die. And Christ defeated death. And our eyes are in the wrong place. Our eyes should be on him who is life. We should be looking up to him who is life and understanding that he is truth and he cannot lie and the whole world is lying to us and we're following these people that will tell us news. We're following these people that tell us what to fight for and who to fight for and where to stand when Christ has already told us where to stand in his victory. And he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. He says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the children of God. And he said, we're not to regard anybody as flesh and blood anymore, but we're caught up in all these physical fights, all these physical cultural things that have nothing to do with the soul of a man. Oh, it'll tell you their worldview. It'll tell you what they believe. It'll give you a lot of information. We're not, we're not just stumbling in the dark. We see people in the flesh, but we don't regard them in the flesh. We understand the spiritual war behind it. And we don't get caught up only worried about our physical body. Think about the testimonies of these that are in the gospel, in the, in the Old Testament, the New Testament. They, they put their body on the line. 
See, they're putting this pharmacy in our food. They're putting the pharmacy in your body. They're putting the pharmacy in your schedule to go to the doctor every day of the week. This is ridiculous stuff. But that's the one world government. That's the spirit that's underneath the sway of the wicked one. That's this world we live in. It's not how a saint would live. I'm not telling you not to ever go to the doctor. That's between you and God. Whatever you do, do it by faith. But I would definitely pray about it. And don't just let them be the final authority over your body. Ask God. Ask God. What does God say? He's the final authority because you're worried about your whole body, soul, and spirit being sanctified, being purified, being preserved until the coming of the Lord. Not just flesh. So are you of this world? What channel are you listening to? What savior? What physician? You know, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a coincidence that they want you to take pharmacy and then God's commandments themselves is called entole. The, the word entole for commands, there's different words, but it means a authoritative prescription. This is not, I mean, the, the devil has nothing he can create. The devil can only pervert what God has already done. So he comes up with an authoritative prescription and then you sit and listen to it. And I'm not saying your doctor's evil. I don't know your doctor. I'm not saying that the whole medical system's evil. I'm just saying, beware what you're doing. Because we're focused on masks and COVID shots in the face. We're focused on everything that's physical Meanwhile, our spiritual soul is sucking in all the entertainment, the music, everything that's going to kill us and lead us astray from him who is life himself. Sanctify and cleanse them, 1717. That's a prayer of Jesus for his church, for his disciples, for those that would learn from him. Do you want to learn from him or you want to learn from the world and the liars of this world and the indoctrination stations of this life? Listen, sanctify, consecrate them, set them apart, purify them with truth. Why? Because we've been sold lies. We've been told lies because the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. So we believe it's called a perceptual field. It's how you receive all data coming in. And we believe what we've been told all of our life. And now we have to be born again and come to him as little children and say, I want a new operating system. I want your spirit to lead my life. I want to be back underneath your authoritative prescription. I want to have a new heart. I don't want to live the way I used to live according to the old operating system that was dead and broken and can only bring forth death. But all God can give you is life, because he is life. So he prays, and look what he says in 19. I really think it is amazing that he's not only praying it, but he's given us uh, more instruction about why he died, why he was sanctified, why did he set himself apart? And it's what you and I are supposed to be doing is following it. Now we are being sanctified and cleansed. Now we're being washed in the water through the word. Now we're growing and going so that others can be sanctified by truth. Because if they don't see it, 
they ain't going to do it. If it's not proclaimed to them, declared to them is the word. If you want to do a good word study, do a word study on declare. Wow. All the way through the Bible. 90 times. 90 times. And when you start reading them, you go, wow. That's what I say anyway. So then we come to Jesus praying for future believers, praying for you and me. See, that's what he's doing now. He lives to make intercession. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and me right now. But what's he saying? The same thing, that we might know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom they sent, that we might be sanctified, that we would not be of this world, but be just like him. And that we would separate ourselves Look at 18, 16, 18, or 17, 18, sorry, jumping around a little bit. As you sent me into the world, he sends us. This is the same way. There's no difference because we're just as. Well, how does that happen, Greg? When you believe, the Holy Spirit comes in and becomes your new operating system. And I hate to use such weird words, but the devil uses all of this stuff in order to try to create things that will deceive and and, and pull us away from following God. And that's what it is. When your computer breaks down, what do you need? You need a new operating system. Isn't there just two operating systems out there? I don't know anymore. I I, I don't look at that stuff. But I think there's only like iPhones and Androids. Isn't that just two? I don't know. And the iPhone has an Apple on it that's got a big bite out of it, you know, which points back to the garden. All I know is the demon realm will tell you a lot of truth, but you need to hear the voice of God because you can think you're walking in truth and be being led by the demon realm because the spirit of Antichrist has went out to deceive the elect if it were possible. So beware of what you're doing. So Jesus says, John 17, 20. Hmm. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one as we are one. No, I missed that. That I in them, verse 23 again. I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one. Is that in one or as one? I got my. Thank you. And that the world may know that you have sent me second time and have loved them as you have loved me. Sorry, I wrote on my Bible a lot and I and I really is becoming a distraction right now. 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am and that they may behold my glory which you have given me for you love me before the foundation of the world. 
25. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. Third time. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your son has prayed for us and that he is praying even now. And we pray that you would direct us through this text and help us to understand what he prayed future believers would do and how they would live. Thank you for your word that's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. May it cut away. May we receive it. May it be implanted in our hearts and may it produce fruit some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. We give you praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now back in verse 20, Jesus continuing his prayer after informing us that he sanctified himself, um, that they also may be sanctified by the truth course he is truth and 20 says i do not pray for these alone but also for those who will believe in me through their word do you, do you see that I, I i love that because he calls it their word see because we need to take possession of it and understand that if he is in us and i am in him that now this becomes my word and it's the word of reconciliation it's the only ministry that he's given us. We talk about this all the time. You can go over and look at it. Well, let's just go over and look at it. It's our word now. We need to own it because it's our kingdom. If he's our king, it's our kingdom. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I like to take you there because it always tells us the same thing in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. It's about the ministry of reconciliation of souls. It's what I was just talking about a minute ago. I did not mark it, but let's just look at it. 5.16 says this, Therefore, from now on, it'd be this moment right now for us. For them, it was then when he was writing it. We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer because now he has ascended. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new, a fresh creation. Old things have passed away. They're dead. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of, of reconciliation. Then he explains, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing or counting their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So it's our word, the future believer's word, that it was given to them, that other people would believe through our word. Right? And that's the word rhema. It's a spoken word. It's a spoken word. It must be spoken by witnesses. And then he goes on to tell us, now then we are ambassadors. We represent, we stand for Christ. 
We are his ambassadors. We represent our homeland because we're citizens in heaven. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. How can I be reconciled to God? Well, Christ, what? Christ, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We believe that he sent him, that he died, he rose again, that he gave us his perfect account and he took our death and he took our sin. He took everything. And so now we're reconciled. The books are balanced. Everything's paid for. Wrath has been taken away. It's fully satisfied in the blood of Jesus. And when you believe that, you shall be saved. But I took you there because it now becomes personal. It now becomes ours. Because our husband, it's his word. Our betrothed, it's his word. The one who has sent us just as he was sent. It's his word. It's his truth. And the enemy wants to fight with a lie. And if we don't learn to recognize the lie, we can walk in the lie for a long time and then we're not redeeming the time. We can live in, in, in a falsehood and then go, what am I doing? And so we're called to redeem the time, to walk circumspectly. So he's not just praying, beseeching. He's not just uh, uh, requesting uh, or desiring just for him and for them, but for the whole world because he's dying for the whole world. So he prays for himself and then for the disciples, those that learn, and then he prays for you and me, for those who will believe in me through the disciples' word. You know what? 2,000 years later, more than 2,000 years later, how much of the attack has been on that word? How come it's the only, and you can call it a religion, it is a religion, it's just that we've ruined the word religion. We know it's through a relationship of intimacy with Almighty God, that's through Jesus Christ, our husbandman, our kinsman redeemer, but here, it's the only one that you can just blaspheme and rail on it and everybody hates. Nobody yells Buddha or Allah when they hit the wrong nail with the hammer. When things don't go right, they don't yell, ah, Buddha! They don't yell, ah, any other religious name, but they profane God's name. And they say, Jesus Christ, in a profane way when things go wrong. When we should be saying his name because everything is right. Life has been turned right side up through the word of reconciliation because of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. So he prays for those who will believe, which is pistio, which means uh, to have faith in or to entrust your spiritual well-being into Christ. It means to commit to Him. But notice, notice, it says, believe in me. King James is believe on. Not, you, can, you can look at either one, because even when you look it up, it says into or on. But believe on 
It's uh, indicating the point reached or entered, believing on, betrothed to. It means to the intent that, or here it is, and this is, it means set it one again. When you believe in the word that became flesh, took flesh and dwelt among us, it means to set it one again. The reason I like that is because he made an atoning sacrifice. And, and the very word atonement, if you divide it into one, two, three, is at one meant. And it's what he does is he sets us at one again and brings us into union again. And, and, he, and so he removes the curse. And it actually can mean of one mind of one mind. This is very important. Of one mind. Because there's only really two worldviews. There's only two minds to think according to. The lie or the truth. We were born in sin with a sin nature because Eve listened to the lie. But it was laid upon Adam. Right? The same way now when you believe Again, that Jesus is Lord. It was our sin that gets laid upon the second Adam. Same thing happens again. But now we are given life through believing it. They were giving death. They inherited death through believing the lie. And now if you'll just believe the truth that God came and died for you, it's all laid back upon the husband again. The Savior of the world. It's of one mind. Now, I want you to see this. Again, I like to do this stuff. It's First Chronicles uh, chapter 15. If you want to turn with us, you can go back first. Oh, excuse me. First Chronicles chapter 12. Where'd you get 15 at in your brain, dude? First Chronicles, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 12. Did I say that wrong earlier? I think I said 15. Oh, this is when, uh, I was talking about Absalom earlier. This is when David uh, becomes king. David means beloved. David is a type of Christ. Uh, and 15, or excuse me, 1238. 1238, First Chronicles, before I uh, get you on the wrong page. And I would love to teach a whole lot more of it, but we're just going to look at 1238. All these men of war, listen to me. There's a war going on for your soul. Listen, there's a war. You may be at peace with God, but the war still rages because the enemy still wants to deceive you. He wants you to listen to what he's saying and his mind and his authority instead of the authoritative prescription of Christ, the authoritative prescription of God. So all these men of war who could keep ranks... And of course, that's soldiers. They're in orderly ranking. They're hupotassoing. They're aligning themselves in orderly ranking underneath David. That's what people of war do. And you and I are soldiers in the army of the living God. No one called to be a soldier entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he might please him who called him to be a soldier. What did they do, Greg? They came to Hebron, which is an association. They came into association with a loyal heart, a perfect heart is what it means, 
And what were they doing? To make David, the beloved king over all Israel, or those governed by God. They're making David the king over all of those governed by God. And all the rest of those governed by God were of one mind to make David king. Listen, listen. Do you believe on Jesus? Do you believe on Jesus? Then you should be of one mind with God. Because if you're listening to other voices, now you're double-minded. James calls it double-minded. Because when you listen to other voices, you don't believe that this is the one true God and that what he says is the authoritative prescription. And double-minded means I listen to God's word, and then when I don't like it, I go, I'm going to choose another one. And there's only one other voice. But those that belong to the king, see, how come he's king? He's got a kingdom, right? And his kingdom, everybody that's in his kingdom allows him to be king or lord, kurios, supreme in authority. And we quickly repent when we're not allowing him to be lord. He already knows that we're but flesh, so he's not kicking us out of heaven when we don't listen. But you will reap what you sow. And they were with, verse 39, and they were, th they were there with David three days. There's the three. Eating and drinking, fellowship meal, for their brethren had prepared for them. Moreover, those who were near to them from far away as Issachar and Zebulun and Naphtali were bringing food on donkeys and camels, on mules and oxen, provision of flour and cakes of figs and cakes of raisins, wine and oil and oxen, sheep abundantly, for there was joy in Israel. There's joy in those that are governed by God, always. So then he tells us, Paul tells us, if you flip, we're going to flip a few places, right? Just a few, Philippians 2. Listen, are you believing on? Then you should be of the same mind. We should be of the same mind with God to understand what truth is and how the enemy fights with a lie. And in Philippians 2, is that where I'm at? Let's just start reading in verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, on Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Well, what mind is that? Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, humble, let each esteem others better than themselves with the ground would be level at the cross if we all did this let each of you look out not only for his own interests but also for the interest of others that's your one another ministry well how do you do that greg verse five let this mind one mind set your mind on this let this mind be in you. It comes through the Holy Spirit as you learn the Word of God and are washed and cleansed and sanctified, which was also in Christ Jesus, six, man, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But what did he do? Seven, he made, see, this is in reverse, guys. He made himself of no reputation, 
taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled, no reputation, lowliness. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that's character, nature, authority, and will, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and of those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, King, Kurios, supreme in authority to the glory of God the Father. Who's being glorified? The Father. The Father. When we humble ourselves, we let this mind, we're supposed to be of one mind. Listen, one operating system, if you need that, if you need something to look at, there's one mind where you're taking in the mind of Christ. It comes by surrendering to the Spirit of God who has come in to teach you what the Word of God is saying and how the just should live by faith. So the Holy Spirit comes in to teach us, but we first need to humble ourselves, and then He lifts us up the same way He did Jesus. He humbled himself and became a man. And God has now lifted him up and given him all authority. Listen, this prayer has already been answered. Every bit of this prayer has been answered. Why? Because Jesus was one with the Father and he's praying according to the will of God because he knows it. And you and I can pray much better when we know the will of God. We can pray for the sanctification. We can pray that people know God in an intimate way. We can pray that they become sanctified and that they take the word and give it to others because that's what God is doing. Those who believe become his pupils. They become his disciples. They learn, they grow, and they go. And they pray for other believers. And they die and humble themselves and lay their life down so that other people can be sanctified. That's the whole process he's there of discipleship. So that's what we're supposed to do is we become one mind with Christ. First, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians 13. Look at 2 Corinthians 13. Bible sword drills. Learn your Bible. If you don't know where this is at, just listen to what I'm saying. Write them down. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brethren, this is his benediction. Finally, brethren, farewell. Become perfect, become complete, be of good comfort, comfort others, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Be of one mind. Are you endeavoring to be of one mind? See, the mind is this of God. It's the mind of Christ. And Christ's mind on everything was glorifying the Father. And what was the Father doing? Reconciling souls. So if we're one mind, these are truths that we need to know. And anything that keeps us from reconciling souls is of the mind of the Antichrist. Just like he said, get thee behind me, Satan. To Peter. To one of his disciples. To the one that just declared, you're the Messiah, the Christ of God. The son of the living God. And he said, get behind me, Satan, because your interests are not those of the kingdom of God. 
So are you endeavoring to be one mind with God? Listen, it's what we do in our life every day. The things that we're interested in, we go become one mind with them. We learn everything about them, whether it's our career, whether it's our job, whether it's our family, whether it's somebody we're interested in, whatever it is, knowledge will help you deal with it. So here we need the knowledge of who Christ is so we can be one mind and think the same. So he's come, he's put the Holy Spirit in us to instruct us, to teach us, to conform us into his image. So I beseech you, therefore, considering the mercies of God, that you present your body. That's all he wants is an empty vessel, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, logical thing to do. And do not be conformed to this world by listening to the mind of the Antichrist, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the mind of Christ. So you may prove, be the evidence of in the grand courtroom, so that others would come to believe what the perfect will of God is. Because the Holy Spirit can walk it out in our lives if we're led by Him. He can make us trophies of grace that are walking perfectly in the will of the Father. Now, I understand that this is a work in progress, and it's going to take us the rest of our life to learn it, to surrender to it, to obey it, to come to grips with it. And to silence the, the flesh which we still carry about with us. But if we're feeding the mind of the Antichrist, if we're feeding the flesh more than we're feeding the mind of Christ, which one's going to win in your life every day? The one you feed the most. The one you listen to the most. The one you commit your heart to and trust. That's the one that's going to defeat you or control you, or lead you, because it's the mind. It's the mind. That's where the devil takes you astray, the mind. Because what you believe, you'll follow. Somebody was to run in this room right now with a gun and yell, there's a bomb in here. Get up, run, flee, and then he sat down in a chair. Would you follow him? He didn't seem very interested in that bomb that's in the room. Now, I know there's a couple people that might flee out, but when you look at what he's doing, he's not scared of a bomb, so he must have been lying. So our actions prove what we really believe. And if you want others to believe it, you have to walk it out. And you have to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit because of the glory of God. I do not pray for those alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Believe on me through their word. Now listen, look at Revelation 17. I just want to tie some of this together for us. Revelation 17, 13. Those that were drunk, Mystery Babylon. But let's look at 12. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. 
Then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the, har where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose Whose purpose? To fulfill his purpose, to completely satisfy his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are satisfied, fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Whose mind are you putting on today? What channel are you turning to? What kingdom do you belong to? Where are you getting your truth from? If you're being sanctified by truth, your word is truth. Where are you getting your truth from? 1 Corinthians 2.16. I am jumping around. Man, he's jumping around a lot today. 1 Corinthians 2, listen, we've been given the Spirit of God, so we have the mind of God, but we can resist and quench and grieve and insult it and not listen to it. Oh, my goodness. Let's do 15. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Listen, you got to judge all things if you're spiritual. No, don't judge me, man. Yet he himself rightly is judged by no one. Because you have the mind of Christ. Because you have the Spirit of God. You have a new operating system. But you've got to judge the world. You've got to look at these things and say, am I going the right direction? For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Nobody's teaching God. But we have the mind of Christ. He clearly tells us we have the mind of Christ. But are we listening? Are we following? Are we falling into orderly ranking? Hupotasso, understanding our gifts and talents and abilities. Understanding that there's a war and we regard it no longer as flesh and blood. Are we associated with God or the world? Hebron. Hebron. See, Hebron, it's really important to understand that because if you take it back to fruit, who was, with, who was Hebron given to? It was given to Caleb, the only one that was following Joshua with the cross, the stick and the fruit on it was Caleb. And Caleb was given Hebron. There's an association going on. There's a betrothal that has happened. There's a following. There's an orderly ranking. We're in the army of the living God. And we want to put on the same mind and be about the same thing because we no longer live. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then we will appear with him. We're just vessels that have been bought by the blood of Jesus. And now everything that we do is led by the Spirit of God in the word of reconciliation for the ministry of reconciliation so that other souls could be saved. Because we've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Not by sight, by faith. Not according to the flesh, by faith. 
and the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Are you becoming one mind with God? It's impossible without being in the Word and finding out, coming to know who this God is and being intimate with Him. What is He doing? He's hidden it everywhere. And then He tells it plainly to those who have ears to hear. And it's not a thing to go, oh my goodness, but it is a thing to say, I need to get started. I need to be running this race. I need to see the evidence that God is speaking to me. And we all grow 30, 60, 100 fold. We all grow differently. Everybody is different. Everybody has their own private relationship. But he's going to speak about what we do with that relationship here. I'm going to be here all day, ain't I? Are you becoming one? Let's look at the last one. 1 Peter 1.13. 1 Peter 1.13. And we'll get the finality of all that I said just from this text. 113 says, therefore, because of everything I just said, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest in peace your hope fully upon the grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, that is to be brought to you at the knowing, the uncovering, the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Not children that said a prayer and think they can do anything they want and they still get to win the race. As obedient children, listen, not conforming or reconciling yourself to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Man, that is difficult, but that's the mark. That is difficult, but that's the target. That is difficult, but the Spirit of God can lead us in that, and positionally we already have that, but practically we're learning to do that as we become one mind with Christ because it is written. That's why we're doing it, because it was written. Be holy, for I am holy. And then he goes on to say, and if you call on the Father, conduct yourself uh, properly. Because we've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. We haven't been bought with silver or gold or anything. That's This is the blood of Jesus that purchased us. This is the promised Messiah. This is one that lives in us and can do all that he said he was going to do. He can make us holy because he is holy. And that's what we're being conformed into, the image of the living God. By choice, because he first loved us. That was one verse. We better get moving. Roll, roll, roll. 21, 17, 21, if you're still there with me. Why believe in my word, or excuse me, believe in me, Jesus, through their word, ours now, because we're being of the same mind, because we're learning what the word of reconciliation looks like. Why? That they all may be one. Hold on to that. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may become one in us. That's not the U.S., okay? I know that a lot of people have a really, really bad vision, myoptic. One in us, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
that the world may believe that you sent me. Look what he wants the world to believe. Listen, because of the word of reconciliation, because we believe, right? He wants us to be one that the world would just believe that he was the promised Messiah. And you can see, I, I don't know if you guys, you can see it in the spirit today that they're trying to promote Christ, but it's a false Christ. It's everywhere. They're making up all this program because AI can do all this stuff and make it seem like people are really spiritual. I have people that are supposed to be born again believers telling me that the world is getting better, which is against the word of God, which is against what God has told us, which is a lie. But they want to get into this convergence where everything's coming to peace. But Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I came to divide. Because truth and lie have to be divided rightly. The word of God has to be divided rightly. Listen to me. That they might be one. Did, did he answer that prayer? Yes. We're not going to go there, but it, you know, well, let's go there. It's 12-12 of 1 Corinthians. They are one. How are we one? You and I are individually betrothed to Christ and we're separate, but we're members of what? One body. We've all become one because the Spirit of God baptizes us into the body of Christ. And then each one of us in our personal relationship, we grow in intimacy and in knowing God and allow Him to gift us. And we follow that gifting and all of us become the body of Christ with Him, the head, one mind. And then we become a perfect example with our love to one another for the watching world to see that He is real. And that God sent him and that lives do change when they listen to the voice of God. 12.12 said this, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Why? Because there's one spirit that baptizes us all into the same body. And none of us are better than the other one. We're all the same. We're the same body with the same head because we're putting on the same mind and we have the same desires, the reconciliation of souls because we're not alive, we're dead. And we have the mind of Christ who came to lay his life down and humble himself and didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. And now God has lifted him up and gave him the name above all names that one day every knee will bow to the praise of his glory. And the important thing is, are we bowing today and understanding that there's a liar out there sowing um, tares into God's wheat field, his harvest? So we've already become one, if you believe, because the Spirit of God baptizes us into one body and so if you have the spirit you become one in spirit and then we begin to decide am i going to follow the will of god and be sanctified and become the part of the body that i'm supposed to be so that others can see christ that's a decision you still have to make every every step of the way is free will but it's so that the world may and trust their spiritual well-being into Christ. Believe that you sent me. See, because you can't believe in the Messiah unless you believe that God sent a Messiah. Promises of God. 
I'll send you a Messiah. Old Testament looked forward by faith. They believed God that He was coming, and it was accounted to them for righteousness. New Testament saints, they look back, they believe God that He died and rose again, and, it's, and, and they become righteous positionally, practically, reconciled to God, and then we're walking it out, going to the same place that we've already been given, learning to become like that, preparing yourself, adorning yourself as a bride made ready for her groom. My goodness, if it was a real wedding, every one of us. Think about it. A whole year of betrothal, the bride is getting ready for that glorious day of meeting the groom at the aisle. All about me. You want to be selfish? Let Christ. Let it be all about Christ. Be one mind. All about reconciliation of souls. Remind yourself daily. Pray daily that you would come to know that you would be sanctified, that you would be concerned about the ministry of reconciliation and pray daily that I would be and pray daily that the people around you would be concerned about knowing in an intimate way the God of the universe because that's the only people with salvation, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's eternal life. And I don't pray, Father, that you would take them out of the world, but that you would sanctify them and cleanse them and send them to tell other people the word that I've given them because they believe you sent me. Jesus prayed that in his prayer. Father, they believe that. Putting the seal upon them. Judas didn't believe it. He went out of the upper room and betrayed him. He was overcome by the world again. He didn't have the mind of Christ. The other guys did. They were coming to it even more. Are you growing? Are you going? Ooh, my goodness. See, I left out some of this. It's amazing to me. Isn't it amazing that God would give us His Word and tell us to go out and that people could come to salvation through our Word and now it becomes ours? The channel is those witnessing, those that are actually sharing the Word of God. That's how people come to salvation. Isn't that amazing that He would privilege us to be able to not just learn it and know it, but to know Him and then to tell others about Him. He is the living Word. I'm blown away by it. I know what kind of a wretch I am. Where are we at? That the world may believe that God's provision has come, His Mashiach, that you sent me. 22. And the glory which you have, excuse me, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. Now, again, that's back to that one. He's already done this. He's given it, right? Now, this is funny because the word glory is the word doxa. And, and, and often it's translated about uh, dignity and honor and praise and worship, right? And he said, the same glory you gave me, I gave to them. <coughs> but listen to this. It can also mean opinion, judgment, view, Right? Because he's given us his spirit, so he gives us his opinion on life. 
Paul says sometimes, and this I say uh, by my opinion, not by the Word of God, uh, and then I have this judgment, and then I have this view, and, and all of this leads, this good opinion that we get from God's Word as we put on His mind, it leads to the praise, honor, and glory of God, that Jesus would be glorified, and that one day when we're complete, the end of the race is glorification. We're glorified. That's pretty amazing to me. Doxa is where you get the word doxology. It means the end of a thing. We read earlier the doxology or the benediction. The end. Is that right, doxology? No, benediction's the end, isn't it? What's doxology? Is that the beginning? I don't know. I don't know all those fancy words. Doxology. What is that? Somebody Google that and find out for me. Don't Google it. Go on, uh, <laughs> go on a Bible app and get doxology. I don't want the world's opinion. 23, I in them, that's the spirit that baptizes us into the body of Christ. You in me, the father is sent the plan. He sent Jesus with the plan that they're one, that they may be made perfect in one. And here for the second time, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me, or excuse me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Listen, that the world may know. Isn't that a good title for something? That the world may know for a sermon? Isn't that what he died for? That the world might know that he loved them? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whomsoever will trust him, believe in him, should not perish. Because we were already perishing. We were already dead. Become to eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Because see, we were already in sin. We were already dead. We were already condemned to hell. And we didn't even know it. And he sent a savior. Do you know that he sent him? I know you guys are like, this. wait a minute. Come on, Greg. This is like Bible 101. Watch where he's going. That they may believe, that they may believe. In a minute, it's going to know. See, there's a growing and a going. It's not just, it's not just that you say, I believe. Do you know in intimacy? That's what it's about is, is not just being betrothed, but finishing the race, knowing what you're called for. Isn't that what he says in 1 John 5, 13? 1 John 5, 13, I often quote it a little wrong, so I'm just going to go there. These things I have written to you who believe in the name, the character, nature, and the will, who believe in the name of the Son of God, and that, so that you might know that you have eternal life. It would be enough if it stopped, but it doesn't stop. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. You continue, abide, remain. The word pistis is a continuation, a constancy in your faith. You keep running. You keep growing. You know what happens if you keep running in a physical sense? What happens if you keep running? Don't be saying Forrest Gump. Endurance, stamina, training. You learn to run at a good gait 
where it runs, where you can actually run the race with endurance according to the gifting that he's given you. So it's all practicing righteousness. You keep running. Keep running. Learn to run. Learn to run. Wise men fall seven times. But a fool falls by calamity. He just quits running. He stays down. He doesn't get back up. Get back up quickly. Because the longer you stay out of the race, the more lies the enemy feeds your soul. And you may never get back in the race. Run the race to win. To compete in a way where you will receive the crown at the Bema Seat Judgment. Where are we at? 24? Notice that was the second time in 23. You have sent me. There's a Savior been sent because people were lost. A light came into the darkness to lead people out. Think about that for a long and hard minute. A dark, 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 ugly world. And a light in the darkness. And the darkness could not overcome him. And then everybody that follows that light, led by the Spirit, they're led out of darkness. The land of Zebulun has seen a great light. Mm. I, I, I need to quit. Here we go. 24. Father, I desire. It's I will. In the King James, Father, I will that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am and they may behold my glory which you have given me for you love me before the foundation of the world. So it's God's will that all we come to repentance. It's God's will that all would be saved. It's God's will that we would be with him. It means that in a, it's his delight in a Hebraism uh, that we would be meta, accompaniment, follow him, and then be able to discern and look upon his glory. Again, his doxa, but this is his honor, his praise. This is him being glorified in heaven. This is not just be of the same opinion, judgment, and view, which we should be if we have the same mind. Shouldn't we have God's opinion and, and judgment and view if you have the same mind? If you know the word of God and God says that, shouldn't we know it? Shouldn't it be divisive? Shouldn't it be the only truth? Well, that's your truth. That's your truth. No, there's only one truth. And it's dogmatic. And there's no other way. There's only one name. So he desires us to follow him and see his glory.
and to know how the Father loved him before the foundation, for the, before the founding or the conception, before this was ever conceived into a plan to redeem. To even, probably even more, long before there was a conception of the thought, even though God has always known. I mean, I can't even fathom it. What does that mean? For you love me before the foundation of the world. They're one. But he wants to bestow that love upon you and me. Listen, they love one another. They, 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 but they didn't, did they have any fellowship that was voluntary? That's what doulos has become. Servants and slaves of God become douloses, Voluntary servants that love him because he first loved us. See, everybody was created for a specific reason. And so they loved each other, but nobody really could. They just did what they were created for, the angels. But you and I, in this great plan of the fallen world, we choose to love him because he first loved us. That's the fellowship that he wants to share with us for eternity. That's the love that he wants to share for eternity and that we would choose to be in fellowship with him. We would choose to love him. We would choose to see his great love and that his son was sent to declare that, which is what we're going to get to here in a minute. Twenty-five. O righteous Father, the world, the cosmos, including um, the inhabitants. It's his orderly decoration. It's his adorning world. That's what that word means. All that he created. The world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known, listen what he says, that you sent me. See, they're still going to afterwards, after he dies and raises again and sends back the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit's going to teach them everything. And they're going to come to know in an intimate way. But right now, they just believe that you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You're the promised one. You're the one that's been sent by God, the provision for the sin nature, the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, the Son of David. You can, you can t call him all kinds of names. And all of them mean a little bit of something different, but it's still the Savior and the Deliverer, the one who brings the light bearer of truth. Righteous, innocent, holy father. Um, known again as Gnoskos. And the inference is always that we come to know the father through Jesus. Right? Because that's what he's getting ready to say. The world hasn't known you, but I have known you. They're one. And these have known that you sent me. And now listen to what he says at the end of his prayer. Notice he didn't say in Jesus' his name, amen. Did you guys ever notice that? 
in my name. Amen. <laughs> he didn't say that. Listen, I, I, I'm not I'm being a little bit facetious, but but if you're living for God, you don't have to say in Jesus's name. Your life belongs to him. You're covered in the blood. Everything that you're doing in the ministry of reconciliation of souls, you're talking to the father just like Jesus does, because we're just we're one just as he was one because of the spirit that's in us. So it's not a, a wave my magic wand. I wave this magic name. No, no, no. I, he's living through me. And when I pray according to his will, I can just say amen. Now, I'm okay if you say in Jesus' name. I say it all the time, but you don't have to say it because it's according to his character. Everything that you pray should be according to his character, his nature, his will, his authority, what he's doing in the ministry of reconciliation of souls. That's all it should be about. His kingdom come, thy will be done. So you don't have to say in Jesus' name, you belong to him. You're a vessel of his. You're being led by his spirit. So when you pray, it's already in his name. Unless, of course, we're doing it and have a mind of somebody else for our own kingdom. 26, and I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Listen, that's the fruit. That's the proof, the evidence of the intimacy when love grows in us. But love is not some, some sloppy agape. Love is not what the world is saying, accept me and, and, and receive me. No, the Messiah has been sent. You are dead and you need to come to salvation. You need to hear truth. Jesus has come and declared this. He's, it means to make known, to give understanding. Here's a good court term, to certify. Because we're in a courtroom. He certifies, he's declared declared your name. What did he declare? The character, the nature, the will, the authority of God the Father. His plan of salvation, what he was doing. He made it known and he gives us understanding of it. And like I told you, it's a great study uh, when you look up declare on your, uh, when your study, you look up declare, it, it is really a good, good study. And here it is. I want you to see the end of declaring. You want to see the end of it? Turn to Matthew seven twenty three. Not the first usage. Oh, it is first usage. I'm sorry. The first usage of the word declare in Matthew in the New Testament is the end of it. The first usage is the end of it. 7.23. Listen, for those who do not obey the word of God. 7. What did I say? 7. Listen, go to 7.21. Not everyone who says to me, Kurios, Kurios, shall enter the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. But he who does performs the will of my Father in heaven. What's his will? That all would come to repentance, that all would be saved, that all would be one, that would put on the mind of Christ. Listen to me. 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied, foretold in your name according to your character, nature, and will? Have we not cast out demons in your character, nature, will, and authority and done many wonders and miracles in your character, nature, will, and authority? And then I will declare. You don't want him to declare to you in that day to them. That's the first usage of this word, in the finality, when it's too late, at the throne room in heaven. Then I will declare to them, I never gnoskos you. I never had intimacy with you. I never bore fruit in you. I never knew you. So depart from me, you who do lawlessness. Anomia, no law, anomia. Not obeying. I think that's anomia. I don't know how to pronounce it, but he declares it. He's declared the love of God, but because he's a loving and just God, one day there's going to be justice in this plan, in this love, in this mercy, in this grace, in this plan of salvation and deliverance that he gives you the Holy Spirit and there's going to be fruit and that fruit looks like love. It's love and it looks like joy. Remember they had joy. They were all eating together. They had joy with David when they came and made David and associated with him. There was joy there in those who were governed by God. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy. It's, it's love, but it looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such, there is no law. Isn't that amazing? So this is what he wants to declare, though. He came, and he was, he was the image of the invisible God. He was the heart of God. He was the love of God. He was the Son of God, but he was Emmanuel, God with us, walking the planet. And he died for us. And he declares that. What are you declaring? What kingdom are we of? Listen, this is not made, this is not made to, to question people's salvation. But you should be working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You should be asking God, am I doing your will or my will? Am I following your voice and hearing and being led by your spirit? Or am I being overcome by the world in some religious way? Because that's what the synagogues of Satan want. They want you to follow and think good of yourself instead of humbling yourself in the sight of God and allowing Him to use you. Look here at this. Acts 8. Acts 8, um, 33. In case you want to see it by the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. And you can do a study on, on this yourself if you want the declaring. 8.33 says this. Actually, 832, the place in the scripture which he read was this. This is Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch trying to describe to the Ethiopian eunuch who was curious about, who are they talking about? He says to Philip, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Isn't that interesting? That at his death, he didn't say a word, but everything's about his word. He said, I already finished it. It's done. I don't have anything else to say. 
in his humiliation, his humbleness, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? Who's going to declare it to others? For his life is taken from the earth. And now his life is put in us. He is life. His spirit is in us. And we're supposed to go declare this as faithful witnesses that give testimony. Look, and, and Paul did it. Acts 20, 27. Paul did it when he, when he knew he was going to Rome. And, and he knelt down on the beach with the Ephesian elders, the elders there. And they were crying and weeping. And what does he say to them? I have not failed to do the will of God. He says, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Not portions of it, not pieces of it, not some of it to manipulate and cause people to do what they want to do so you can build your own kingdom. But he said, I, I, I commend you. I commend you to the Holy Spirit because I've declared to you the whole will of God. It's an amazing study when you start looking up that word declare or declaration or declared. Because that's what Jesus did. He come and declared the kingdom of God and the love of God and the salvation of God. He come and made us aware of it to know that we were lost sinners to give us an understanding and he's certified by the things that he did. Even God certified it, the father, that he was the Mashiach, the one sent by God. What mind are you putting on? I'm not telling you to work your salvation, work for it. I'm not telling you to earn your salvation. I'm talking to you about the plan of God, the authoritative prescription of God. The way that God's plan works is to be like the Son of God. And if anyone desires to come after him, he must deny himself. Be dead. Take up the cross. Be dead daily and come after me and put on the mind of Christ. But it's so easy to click the wrong channel. It's so easy to listen to the wrong voice. It's so easy to get caught up and overtaken and overcome by the wrong battle, the flesh. And that's why we have to put on Christ. Put on Christ. Everything about Ephesians 6 is put on Christ. Go look at it. Go read it. Stand therefore having girded your waist the loins of your mind, with truth. Who is truth? Christ. It's a belt of truth. Gird your waist with it. Everything stems from that. Shod your feet. Or excuse me, put on the breastplate of righteousness. The first truth you need to know. You're no longer in sin. You're dead to sin. Now you're righteousness. You are perfect standing with God because you're alive to life. You were born alive to death and you had no fruit in it, Paul says. But now all of our fruit should be in life. So now we put on the breastplate of righteousness because he gave it to us freely. Then we shot our feet because now I know that I'm righteous and now I know I'm called to be a witness because I know some truth. Now I need to shod my feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace so I can go out with the word of reconciliation and tell them, peace, God has made a way of peace. He sent a Messiah. You can be at peace with God. 
But above all things is what he says, because I can't do any of this without faith. Above, above all, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith which you will be able, it's your choice, to quench all the fiery darts, the lies of the devil, the other mind, that which would entangle you and suck you back into the flesh. And put on the helmet of salvation and take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's the spoken word of God. That's the rhema of God. Specific spoken word for each stronghold. Pray and always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And for me, that boldness may be given to me that I might speak. I got that twisted, didn't I? Speak boldly the things I ought to speak. Because God's witnesses should be speaking boldly. Because we're hupotassoing in orderly ranking and we've made him king and he sent us just like the father sent him. So we have authority to go out. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Those that would learn, those that would want to be sanctified. Baptize him in the name of the father, son, and the Holy Spirit. That's identification. And then do what? Teach them to obey all that I commanded you. How are we going to do that? Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Wow. What a mission we've been sent on. What a privilege we've been given. What love is this when he knows our hearts? He knows our thoughts. And yet he took ours and gave us his. White as snow. Father, thank you for your prayer for us through your Son, concerning our lives, that you demonstrated your own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, your Son Jesus came and died for us. Lord, teach us to die for him, for your glory for such a time as this. Give us a desire to lay down our lives. Teach us what gifts and talents and abilities you've given us Uh, with the word of reconciliation. Lord, that you would plead through us, beseech through us, urge through us that people be reconciled to God. Thank you for making us ambassadors for you for such a time as this. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I